Hey, good morning. Good morning, I'm Walter Spires, and so delighted to be with you here again this morning. Uh, look at the Word of God and talk about something, a subject that's near and dear to my heart, and I think it will be to yours as well as we get into this new series called Disappointment with God. <laughs> and I have a lot to say about that, but more importantly, he has a lot to say about that. And so uh, we're going to just come and see what the Word has to say, and we're going to look in our own hearts and uh, just spend some time over the next few weeks. I have no idea. Maybe it's a couple of weeks. Maybe it's three or four. I don't know. We'll see where that goes. But I do know this. This is what the Lord has given me to teach. Uh, it begins with myself, and hopefully uh, it will help some of you who are listening, watching, reading, however you're receiving this. Whatever form of media, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we allow the Lord God, by His Spirit, to speak to us and to move us from this point in this place of disappointment back into where He wants us to be and where we so uh, we just so desire to be uh, with Him, in Him, and all that that I'm going to talk about this morning, just briefly. So let me pray us in. Father God, we do thank you for your word. Your word is truth. It's the only truth. It's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And we're just, we're thankful for that. We are. We're, uh, it encourages us. It convicts us. It that, uh, speaks to us. Uh, what you have for us, this side of heaven, through this revelation that you've given to us. And so, uh, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, Teach us this morning what you want us to hear, what you want us to learn. Uh, open our hearts and our mind, our eyes and ears to receive what you have for us, that we not that we may not miss one thing that you have, because um, Lord, we are desperate and needy people, and we've come to you this morning um, and to put those those needs before you and to ask you to again fill our cup, for Christ's sake, Amen. Today's more of an introduction. This week I just want to talk some about this subject, uh, and I'm going to share a little bit personally in my own life, and some people like that and others don't, and so I'm not going to get too personal with it because what I'm trying to do is get you to relate it to your own life, your own heart, because every single one of us, every single one of us, Christian, if you're honest, those watching who may not be Christians, uh, you've come here for reasons you don't even understand, but I think the word the Lord has a word for you this morning. Like I know that He does, and I'm going to give you an invitation before we wrap up. But before we do that, we're just talking about this subject of disappointment with God. Well, the title in and of itself sounds um, I don't know. It, it sounds terrible to me. It, it, when I, I read a book years ago by Philip Yancey called Disappointment with God, that was probably back in the 80s, I think. Some of you weren't born then. You know, we've all struggled with this. And to say the words sounds like we have real issues because how in the world can Christians, God's people, be disappointed with God? Wouldn't it be the other way around? He's disappointed with us. Well, that's true too at times. But if we're honest, and that is the key word, honesty, and I, I use that in my closing notes of the introduction, that if we're honest with ourselves and if we're honest with God, we'll come before him as we're going to see some of the other people, men and women in Scripture, that just cried out to him because they're just disappointed. They're disappointed. 
for me, this began a couple of weeks ago, or came to a head, I should say, uh, during a, a spiritual retreat time, a getaway that I try to do every year for a few days. It's not a sabbatical, it's not long, but I try to find some days that I can get away and just spend time with the Lord. I take my Bible, I take my journal, I take my pen. And for me, it was three things. And I'm going to share those briefly just because I want to encourage you to do it as well. It's not specific to the title, but it's how I got here. And I just want to be honest and share that with you. And I think with these things, whether you can get away specifically or just find those times somehow, somewhere, we need to do that. We need to make that time. Husbands, you need to make that time for your wives, especially if they're wives with little children. And uh, really, I, uh, that's an all-consuming time in their lives. Uh, I know it because we went through that when Gigi had three little ones around, and uh, and I didn't appreciate it and probably help enough as I should have. Uh, that is a tremendous time of stress and wearying. And as husbands, we need to be making time. We need to be mindful of that. We need to be helping out with that. But we need to make time for our wives to get away as well. They need that time alone with the Lord. And wives... You need to do the same for your husbands. Your husbands need to get away, not on a golf outing, not with a bunch of buddies, not on some other kind of retreat or trip, just but just some lo some solo time with the Lord. We all need that. If you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to do it. I don't know how, don't know where, but I do know the what. And you can just take your Bible, your journal, however you communicate with the Lord, whatever your quiet time looks like. And if you don't have one, it's a good time to try to, to get into one. But I want to encourage you to find that time. Make that time. Make it a priority. Make it a priority. It's for your own health, uh, not just physically and emotionally, but spiritually. This is a spiritual time to just get along with the Lord. And you, you can ask questions and you can get into his word and just pour it all out. Pour it all out. So for me, and I think for any of these, let me recommend a couple of things. We start with is, is a time of confession and cleansing. Confession and cleansing. You know, the, uh, the verses that come to mind there, if you're familiar with Psalm 51, and, and most of you are if you've been in around the church, Psalm 51, there are two verses there. I'm going to look them up so I don't misquote them. But it's David in his deepest, most desperate time after the affair with Bathsheba, the murder of, yeah, excuse me, yeah the affair with Bathsheba, the murder of her husband, Uriah, then the death of the baby. And David is absolutely distraught. And in part of his prayer in Psalm 51 is, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. It's a time of confession. He said, in verse 10, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That that's, covers two of the points there in this time away. It's a time of confession and cleansing. It is so important for us to get to get before the Lord, get on your knees and get on your face or just bow your head. However you do that, it's a time of confession to just let the Lord know, pour it out that we know that we fall short. And we'll talk some about that as we go through. Um, and Because it's cleansing. It's cleansing to the soul. It really is. It really is. You get deep into that, you will be amazed 
and what the Holy Spirit will bring out of you will just cleanse you and you will, when it's kind of wrung it all out, there's this time of the next thing is that refreshing and renewing. And David David mentioned it. He said, renew a steadfast spirit. Refresh me, O God. One of the reasons we get away, we get these times alone, is, is a time of refreshing. We all need that. And for some, it's taking vacation. And you want to go take vacation because you want to get refreshed. And some people go take vacations and do all the time and it's not restful, because that is the last one. We want to find a place of rest. But whatever it is that works for you, for some people, that is restful. I enjoyed that when I played golf years ago, and I love getting away and doing those kinds of things and doing stuff, because I'm more of a doer, and it's harder for me to sit and rest. But sometimes God, the Holy Spirit, wants to take us into those places. And so whatever that looks like for you, the time of confession and cleansing, uh, refreshing, renewing, and then just finding his rest, you know, finding his rest. In Psalm 37, one of my favorite psalms, I memorized some of these verses a number of years ago. David gives us a great admonition. Again, even I mean, he begins with himself. But in Psalm 37, 7, he said this, Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And I think that was a good word for me because patience is not a fruit of the Spirit that is well cultivated in my life. And at my age, it should be. That's just kind of a, a segue of how we got to this point. Because what I wanted to do is just to, just to lay it all out there before the Holy Spirit. Because it just sounds so wrong. Um, it, it, to me, it sounds um, maybe sinful. It sounds uh, just something that doesn't work when you talk about disappointment with God. How in the world can the creature be disappointed in the Creator? There are verses we know that talk about that. The how? Why would the clay say to the potter, "Why did you make me this way?" Those kinds of verses. So. I went into this with a little trepidation, a little trepidation because I, I am one who fears the Lord, fears the Lord. I understand the, those words It's spoken so many times that those who fear the Lord and all the things that go along with that, the wonderful blessings out of that, what that means, it's a different message or series. So when we talk about disappointment with God, it's hard for me to write that down and think about that because of the, just the way that it sounds, for the reasons I just said. But what I want you to know is that it's okay. In other, in other words, instead of feeling a little bit ashamed, which I did, kind of, you know, uh, a little embarrassed to even to, to write this in my journal, and, and we'll talk about disappointment more next week, as we get further into it and start to look at individuals, men and women, and examples, things like that, it's important to remember this as we go through these things. In Romans 8.1, there's a great word, I think, that helps us when we get into times like this, when we feel like this, and we just want to pour these things out before the Lord, and yet we're a little bit afraid to. Uh, there's a little fear in there. Um <clears throat> Maybe some guilt. 
But here's the good news. Here is the good news that I think helps us to be able to bring anything and everything we've got before our Heavenly Father, who's loving, loving Father. His loving kindness is everlasting toward those who fear Him, to those who fear Him, as we do as Christians, when you understand what that means. But in Romans 8, 1, Paul wrote this. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation. If you have been, as some call it, backsliding, or you've fallen back into some sinful things in your life, if you have, and again, I'm speaking now to those who are born again in Christ, that you really are born again in Christ. Do you know it, understand it, and you are trying to do your part to walk with, allow the Holy Spirit to, to work on you and in you so he can work through you. That's the way I like to say it. And you're trying to walk with him, but there are just those times when we fall back and we get into other stuff or things get in the way. There's demonic activity everywhere. We live under a demonic realm. So there are demons that will destroy you and tear you down, and yet they cannot. They cannot. If you're a a son or daughter of the Most High God, you are sealed in that. <laughs> and Satan can have no part with tearing you down and, and destroying your life. But there are those times of attack, and those are times that come after us, and, and we have to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. That's what we're told in word, in the Word. But understand this, when we go before the Lord with whatever it is, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Why? It's not because of anything we've done. Anything we've said, how good we are, how obedient we are, all those things, those are important. Jesus gave us commands to be obedient to his commands. Obedience is important. Bearing fruit is really important. But there's no condemnation if you're in Christ. Why? It's because of the blood of Christ. It has nothing to do with you and me. My righteousness, as Isaiah told us, is this filthy rags on my very best day. On my very best day, on the very nicest I am, the most good things that I do, in the, in the eyes and the sight and the presence of a holy and perfect God, perfect God, nothing measures up. It never will. It never can. It's as a pile of filthy old rags laying there in the corner of the garage or something. The good news when we are born again, is that all that sin is cleansed and washed away. And from that point forward, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That is such good news. And so because of that, because of that, we can take these things to the Lord and just pour it out. And I want to encourage you to do that without fear and guilt and trepidation, whatever it is, because the other side of it, and this is one of the reasons our loving Heavenly Father wants us to do that, is because when we keep these things bottled up inside of us, if you're brought up in legalism, as I was, some of those teachings that make you feel guilty all the time, and there is realistic guilt and there's unrealistic guilt, I'm not going to get off on that, but when you're brought up in that and it's just pervasive in your life, then you feel like, I can't take that because what if God knows about this? Or what if God knows I did that? Or what if God knows that this happened? Or I'm thinking these thoughts. <laughs> well, I've got news for you, the good and bad. He does. He does. 
and he wants us to bring it all to him. There's no guilt. There should be no fear. There's no condemnation. When we come honestly, when we come in contrition, as David did finally, broken, brokenness, and just pour it all out. Just lay it out. God wants to hear it. There's a concept going back to Jacob's time of he wrestled with the Lord. He wrestled with the angel of the Lord. That's, con that's thought to be a theophany, meaning Jesus himself, uh, one of the Old Testament manifestations of Jesus. So he wrestled with an angel, whether it was an angel of the Lord, it was actually Jesus himself. He wrestled with them. And some people say, well, we need to wrestle our things before God and not wrestle with God. Because when Jacob finished out, uh, finished up, you know, he, quote, won, but the angel of the Lord put his hip out of socket and he had, a, he had a limp and a bad leg the rest of his life just as a demonstration. And that's why he changed his name to Israel from Jacob to Israel, which means you wrestled with God and prevailed. <laughs> but in so doing, he was crippled the rest of his life. Look, I don't care if it cripples me. I don't care what happens. What I have learned, because I'm older than most of you, is to take it to the Lord. Whatever it is, how embarrassed, however embarrassing it is, how shameful I may be of it. And there are all of those things in my life. There are. There's a, there's a carnal remnant that remains in all of us. You know, we are born again. We are new creatures. We are being saved. We are being made new. And there's just that piece that between now and the time we are made perfect in glory in heaven, that we wrestle with these things. We wrestle against flesh and blood and powers and principalities and all these things that Paul talks about. It's all these. We wrestle with all these things. Because we live in a fallen world. And so there's people getting in our way. And there are demonic things, demons getting in our way. And that's the truth. You can believe it or not. I'm not a demon behind every rock kind of a teacher. But, but the fact of the matter is, it's taught so poorly in most places and not taught at all in many. So there are just all these things that get after us, get on us, get in us. And for some reason... Our human minds land on, well, this is God's fault. He's allowing these things to happen. So the disappointment with God comes out of things that, let's just talk about a few examples. It could be out of relationships, people, the people side. Disappointed with God because my wife is not being the woman she ought to be. <laughs> Come on, Lord, step up. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, my children, all oh, my kids, man, one of them's wild as a buck, and this one doing that and off their own things and doing horrible, awful things or, or got into drugs or ended up in jail or got kicked out of school or flunked out or all the things that can go wrong with our children as they get older. And we're just disappointed with God about that. We're disappointed in them, but ultimately we'll look back to and blame God for it because you could have stopped all that. If you're sovereign control of all these things, why did you let them get into that stuff? And, I'm, and, and the thing is, our parents ask the same thing of us and our grandparents of them and so on and so on, all the way back through every generation. Here's the key, back to Adam and Eve. Because what happened with their two boys? Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. How did that work out? Not so well, not so well, because Cain killed Abel. He was jealous, and he rose up and killed him. The first murder in the Bible, right there in the early part of Genesis. 
And I'm sure, you know, Adam and Eve are thinking, man, you've already kicked us out of the paradise and the perfection we all created for. And, okay, God, we get that. We'll accept that. But now our kids, one of them kills the other one? Mm. So it goes all the way back to the history of mankind that stuff happens and we are prone to be disappointed with God. People. Someone said... Christianity would be a great religion if it wasn't for Christians, or the Christian church would be a great place to be if it wasn't for Christians. You know, things like that, that ought to, we ought to be, we laugh about it, but we ought to be ashamed about it. <laughs> but we're disappointed. It just leads to disappointment with people, and then we turn around and we put that onto God. Circumstances, stuff like jobs, you know, professional lives. Man, when we're on top of the world, we've got a great job, and we're just cruising professionally. And all of a sudden, something happens. Someone else gets that promotion, and someone that we didn't care for much that was a rival now becomes our boss. That's disappointing. Hmm. Well, we lose our job altogether. Here we thought things were going so well, and we we're uh, asked to uh, not bother to come to work the next day, something like that, and has devastating circumstances. That's emotional. And then financial and all those things, and we are crushed and disappointed, and we tend to lay those back on God. Because, God, if you are sovereign, taking care of me and providing for me and all these wonderful things that you have promised, what's up with this? What is Just devastating things. Stuff happens in life. One of the problems in our world today that leads to so much anger and disappointment with God, because that's what... People who don't even believe in God will shake their fist and say, See, I told you there's no God. That plane shouldn't have crashed, or those towers shouldn't have been bombed and torn down, or all these wars and all these things going on where people are giving their lives. And uh, I was watching some of the documentaries you know, on uh, World War II and just some of the horrible, awful battles and stuff and the things it took. To, uh, to win those wars and defeat the just demonically possessed enemies. Those leaders were demonically possessed, and it's clear and evident. And they tried to, just, to take down the world, to, to dominate the world, and they nearly destroyed the world as we know it. Millions and millions of men, and some women, back in those days, women weren't actively in it, but they still were killed. Some were killed. Millions, and, and then the civilians, men, women, and children, War's horrible and awful. That's no good war. And we get disappointed with God because he is, right, ultimately in charge. It all falls back to him. If something happens in a sports team, ultimately we blame the coach and we fire the coach. In our, in our businesses, if something happens and the business doesn't do well, if things go badly or something happens that brings embarrassment or shame on the organization, then we fire the boss. The head man or woman is out. <laughs> How do you fire God? So you do one of two things. You decide that, well, God really isn't who he says he is. Or God is God with a little G and among many other gods and really is not omnipotent, which means all powerful. He's clearly not omniscient which means that he knows everything and sees everything, because if he did, he'd stop these things from happening, you see. And then the third one, then the 
Christian world speak of omnipresence, that he's with us and present all the time because God is spirit. Well, there are other gods that claim to be spirit and there's pantheism, that God and everything and all that. So maybe it's just part of all that. And so people start to lose their confidence, lose their faith because God is not doing what we want him to do when we want him to do it. So he's not performing up to our expectations or standards. But for me, that's kind of what it came down to. And some of the things that I've been praying for for years, for years. And I'm experiencing things that I'd read about in stories where, you know, people have prayed for years for someone's salvation or prayed for years for circumstances to change or finances to change or any number of things that we're praying for in our lives where we are earnestly seeking the Lord. Uh, uh, we're pleading. I did that series on prayer, I think, last year. We're pleading, praying, persistent prayers. And nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. We don't see visible results. Nothing's going to happen that we can see. No evidence to speak of that says that God is doing anything about our prayers. So is he even hearing them? Is he even hearing them? Because, Lord, if you heard them, surely you would see my side of it. And know that I'm praying for good things, for right things, for righteous things, for things that I think that you have called me to do, in my case, for a job you just were sure you're supposed to have, whether it's a job or a church or this or that, whatever it is. And God is silent. There's nothing. There's nothing. And so this progression that I want to speak to briefly begins like this. Disappointment, if we stay there, if we dwell on that, disappointment leads to discontentment. Discontentment. And we're going to drill down on each of these as we go through this series over the next few weeks. Disappointment leads to discontentment. We become discontent in our circumstances and what's going on with people and sometimes that leads to divorce or job changes or other things, not what God intended. But we become so discontent that we move that direction. And then if we stay in that discontentment long enough, we finally just start to get discouraged, discouraged. And discouragement can lead to what we call, uh, I call disengagement here, or you could call it depression. People disengage you know, from um, disappointment, discontentment, to discouragement, to disengagement or depression. And when, when people get to that point and they disengage and they become, you know, isolated, that's the worst place that a human being can be is in isolation. God did not intend, God did not create men and women to be solo artists, to go live on an island by ourselves. He created us to be in family and fellowship, and that's where the world has failed, and in many ways the church has failed. 
And so people move through this progression that's this downward spiral, this cascading, if you will, from being disappointed with God to just being discontent with him as who he said he was or is, because he clearly is not, and we get discouraged and disheartened. And all these diswords, you see, there's not, a, there's not a positive word among them. But if it keeps on cascading downward, we get to that point of discouragement, dis, disengagement, and then depression. And then ultimately, and I don't remember the stats, I haven't looked them up recently, they're very, very depressing, is that so many people, especially young people between the ages of 18 and 24, some are taking their lives, taking their own lives, doing that which only God has the right to do. They're taking their own lives because they just hit a point where they, I'm so disappointed with life. They don't believe in God anymore, and if they did, they're disappointed with God. But this disappointment thing leads to just such tragic consequences. Mm. You know, it's interesting, one of the verses that I am, um, kind of a key verse for this series, if you will, is in Psalm 13, in verse 1. And again, this is David. We'll talk more about David, because David is one of the key figures in this. But in Psalm 13, 1, and, and just note that as a key verse for this series, <laughs> David said this, How long... O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Mm. That's what we feel like, isn't it? We feel like the Lord has forgotten us, and the Lord has forsaken us, and he doesn't hear us. And he's just abandoned us, assuming it was there in the first place. Maybe we just made it all up. Maybe all this stuff is just a nice story that can have a happy ending if things go well. But when things don't go well, it causes us to step back and challenge the story itself and say, you know, maybe, maybe God is not who he says he is, if he is at all. Ooh. But David, the man after God's own heart, the only one in Scripture that despite all of his sin and all the things that he did, murder, adultery, all those things, he's the only one that God called a man after my own heart. A man after my own heart. And yet in his despair and disappointment, David cried out, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And in Psalm 22... And you're going to recognize these words, not from the psalm, but from the New Testament. At the end of his life, these words will be familiar. But David wrote in Psalm 22:1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. No rest. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You can't be much more disappointed in God than that, can you? 
why are those words familiar? Where have we heard them before? Most people, including Christians, have no idea that David uttered them in Psalm 22, verse 1. Rather, we know that Jesus screamed them out from the cross. Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, hanging on there, brutally beaten, bleeding, all the stuff, the suffering, cries out to his Father who sent him, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God had turned his back on sin when Jesus became sin on that cross. He became our sin. And this is my closing word for all of you. Christian, as a reminder, those of you who may be listening otherwise or watching, however you're getting it, as an encouragement, an invitation, and also an admonition that Jesus cried out those words when he became sin. He took your sin and mine on that cross and he died. And he shed that blood that cleansed us from all sin if we have received him as our Savior. Those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they will be saved. In John 3.16, God so loved the world, you know that. In John 14.6, the one that the world hates, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. How is that? Because he's a perfect sacrifice that in his death and in that miserable process, some of his last words were expressing what we would express, what David did. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> I've got good news, really good news. He has not, and he never will. That's a promise. That's a promise. If we read that in Hebrews, we'll talk about that more later in this series. But I did want to close with such a negative thought. We all are disappointed with God at times. <laughs> and as ridiculous as that sounds, it's okay. And so you just bring it. You just bring it all, everything you've got, bring it all before the Lord God, because he is your father. If you are born again in Christ, he is your father. He loves you as his child, and he wants to hear what you've got to say. What's on your heart? What's making you cry? What's keeping you up at night? What makes you just weep? What makes you go into uh, discouragement and depression where you'd even consider such horrible, awful things as that last resort? What are those things? You bring them and you pour them out before the Lord God. You pour them out before him, weeping, crying, pleading. Because we have a father that loves us, his everlasting love, and he loves us, and he just pulls us up in his arms close to his chest. We can lay our head on his, his, his shoulder, his breast, just like uh, the apostle John did in the upper room in the Last Supper. That's how much of a father, Abba Father, Daddy, that he is for those who love him, who are born again in Christ. And for those who are not, he loves you. And he wants you to know the everlasting, eternal love that only comes with a relationship with Christ. And so I pray you bring all that disappointment right now to him, before him, because he's waiting to hear that. And if you don't know him, I pray you to receive Jesus Christ today. And we will pick it up here again next time. Father God, thank you for this introduction, for these words. 
they're um, hard at times and they seem foolish at times and they seem embarrassing at times. And, and, and we are, Lord, trying to avoid the trap, Satan's pitfall of dragging us down in this cascading progression. We don't want to go beyond disappointment. We don't want to get discontent with you and life and then discouraged and all the things that take us down, 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 which is exactly what our enemy does. So, Lord, we're going to stand on the promise and the hope that we have in Christ alone that we stand before you. There is no condemnation. We stand before you cleansed, clean, and holy and perfect, even when we bring these things before you to get you to help us deal with this disappointment. I pray in the mighty and master's name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, and you have a great week. To learn more about how you can become a Christian or grow in your walk with the Lord and receive freely of all the biblically-based content we have created or donate to help keep this ministry going strong, go to onlyjesus.life. That's onlyjesus.life.